Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is a Lip Media Podcast. You're listening to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea Gillis. And I'm Steph Page. We're two Canadian expats now living in Australia and the UK. Between the two of us, we've been through the ringer in our travels, experiencing missed flights, volcanic eruptions, and even a terrorist attack. It's not all that extreme, though. We've also experienced heartwarming, life-changing moments and met amazing people along the way. So kick back and listen to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. Welcome to another episode of All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea. And I'm Steph. Hey, Steph. Did you, uh, Steph, did you like our little uh, Christmas intro I did this week? I did. It put me in the spirit on this 35 degree day. It's, uh, it's almost Christmas. We're a couple days away from Christmas. So we had to get into the spirit. And with me being in Australia, it's really getting me in the spirit doing all these little things because every little Christmassy thing helps when it is 35 degrees and sweltering outside. (laughs) Yeah, as two Canadians, we're very used to white Christmases, lots of snow on the ground. I mean, to us, that's Christmas. But I guess, I mean, in the UK, we don't get a lot of snow, but there's still the, it's still cold. It's still that wintry Christmassy vibe. But I guess in Australia, it's what? You said it's like 39 degrees today or something? Yeah, it's going up to 39 by about noon. Oh, I mean, to me, that is not Christmassy, but... That's why every little bit helps. Exactly. And we're talking about that today. You hear all the the Christmas carols of I'll be home for Christmas and driving home for Christmas. So today we are not going home for Christmas. And we're going to talk about when you're away from home, either traveling or living at an expat during the holidays. We thought Mm -hmm. it would be very fitting. But before we get into the episode, Steph, I think you had... A review that you were going to read. Yeah, we actually got a bunch of new reviews this week. So thank you, everyone. Um, so from Kate Amanda, she said, This podcast is everything you need to know while traveling, plus so much more. Anj and Steph have been delivering the daily laughs as I have binged this podcast in the last week. Highly recommend. Oh, that, that's sweet. That made my life. Thank you, Kate Amanda. It's adding to Steph's Christmas spirit. It is. It definitely is. Oh, joy, amazing. joy, joy. <laughs> Thanks for the review. Again, guys, if you have two seconds and you listen to this podcast and you haven't yet, please go and give us a five-star review. It really helps. It helps us out massively. So, all right, back to the topic at hand. Yes. So I thought we should kick this off, as we do with many episodes, back at our first little soiree abroad for Christmas, which was together. Yes. So when we first moved to the UK together in 2010, we moved, I think it was like November. So obviously Christmas was only a month away. And I mean, we decided we weren't going to fly home for Christmas. No, obviously. After being there there for, for yeah, for a month. So we spent our first Christmas away from home in the UK together. Now, (laughs) I guess this is, these are the topics that we're going to talk about today. It's a bit weird being away from home during Christmas because you're used to your traditions. Just even just all the feelings that come with Christmas. You're surrounded by friends. You're surrounded by family. Um, And there's just, there is Christmas gives, you know, your everyday life, this beautiful ambiance, I find. Maybe I'm a little hippy dippy here, but Christmas is just so joyful. So suddenly when you go abroad and 
you just don't have that, it can hit you even harder than yeah. the day-to-day struggle. Did you find, Steph, our, our first Christmas together, did you find it difficult? Did you find it was quite easy? I mean, I, I didn't find it that difficult, but I think because I was still in that sort of honeymoon phase of just moving over, that I was kind of, I don't know, I just had this sense of freedom. I thought it was quite cool being away for Christmas for the first time, spending it in a new country, experiencing I, new traditions in another country. I actually loved it. And I think I loved it because I had you. Right. So I think if I'd been just there by myself, I don't know what I would have done. But because I had you, we had that shared experience of A, missing Christmas at home, and B, doing funny things together. So you and I, you know, we didn't have any furniture then. I think we have a hilarious photo of us in our flat. And we had a blanket on the floor. Yes. We bought a little blow-up Christmas tree from the dollar store, the pound store, for like one pound. Oh, yeah, that's true. We did. And we just ate on the floor with nothing. No furniture, no couches. It was just an empty room. Well, well, you say that. You, you say no furniture, but I actually remember this differently. We had met our neighbors next door. Yes. We had befriended them like the night before. There's a whole long story about how that happened. But we met these guys that live next door to us. They were lovely guys. We ended up going out with them the night before. And we ended up getting absolutely pissed with them uh, at the yeah. pub. And we told them like, hey, we're spending Christmas in our flat. It's empty. We have. It started with a mashed potato masher. <laughs> That's what it started Oh, with. that's we, right. We didn't have a mashed potato masher. That's how it started. Yeah. So we had said we were going to do uh, make a, a Christmas dinner, the two of us. And I think we had actually invited a couple of the girls that we had befriended at the hostel we were living in yeah. previously. So we had just moved into this flat and two of the girls living there, you know, they were away for, from home for Christmas as well. We're like, come to our new flat. We'll cook dinner. So these guys we met, we were talking to them about the pub saying, we're going to make this dinner and... We don't have anything. Like, I think we had a few, like a couple plates and I don't know, we'd picked up a, a couple basic things. But then I had come to the realization. I'm like, oh my God, we don't have a potato masher. Like, how am I going to mash potatoes? And our next door neighbor had said, well, you can borrow ours. It's fine. We're going to be away anyways. And what started as a potato masher then turned into, <laughs> hey, do you want to just borrow our furniture? Like, it's cool. We took the kitchen table. Yeah, we literally, this is hilarious because these guys we had known for about 24 hours, they gave us, well, one of them had given us their spare key and he's like, the other one was like, who are you? The other one, I guess, like didn't know about this until later on. I, I stayed friends with them for a while after that. I went to one of their weddings years later. I mean, we know each other now. Um, but yeah, one of them had given us their keys and was like, yeah, it's cool. Just like help yourself to anything you need in the flat for Christmas Day. So we basically went in and raided their entire apartment. We, yeah, like Steph said, we took their kitchen table, their chairs. We borrowed all their kitchen stuff and we used that for Christmas Day. And so yeah. where we had been sitting on the floor for a couple of nights before eating our dinner and whatnot, Christmas Day, I do remember we had a table and chairs and, and a potato masher to mash our potatoes and thank god we got that potato masher because we i remember we were like okay we're gonna do christmas properly and we went to sainsbury and we even got a whole turkey but neither of us had ever cooked a turkey oh my god yes we i don't know what we did like we didn't even know if it was raw or cooked like it was some weird gelatin phase and the top of the turkey that we thought we'd basted so it would be you know beautiful crunchy delicious turkey was like 
it had like half an inch of like gelatin slime. Like I remember we tried to cut into it and we're like, no, we, we cannot eat it. And we were so hungover that day because we, the night before with the neighbors next door, we drank a lot at the pub. And I remember me and you and the two other girls from the hostel, they had gone out the night before. I think they met us at the pub, but we were all so hungover and just try. It was one of those where even though we were drinking wine, like you couldn't even get drunk because it was, like hair of the dog didn't even work because we were just dying that day but yeah we were trying to cook was it even a turkey or was it It was a turkey a whole turkey yeah i mean i I remember because i was dirt poor like i was scrounging by and i paid i think 20 pounds for i don't know why we bought such a big turkey but we bought a massive (laughs) one and i in my head was like i can't afford this turkey (laughs) yeah so we basically spent money on a turkey that we didn't even cook properly and i don't think we ate any of it and we basically just ate our mashed potatoes so (laughs) shout out to our next door neighbors well i think too we so we had christmas day we had on that was we talked about it in our halloween haunt episode on boxing day we went on a ghost tour of london like you and i really did a lot together that year to make it We went and saw, I mean, if anyone's ever been in London during Christmas, like the Christmas lights they put up around the city. If you go down to like Soho, Carnaby Street, Regent Street, Oxford. I remember Oxford. Yeah. Yeah. Like the lights they put up are insane. I work down on Regent Street, like near Soho, and every year it never ceases to amaze me. The, The lights they put up on the street and just how big they go at Christmas here. And it's so amazing. And if again, if anyone is ever in London during Christmas, just you could spend a day just going into different neighborhoods in the city and just looking at stunning Christmas lights that they put up mm-hmm. around the city. They're honestly, I feel like there's no city that does it better than London at Christmas. There's something really like magical about London during Christmas. And yeah, it was, and I, yeah, I agree. It was really special, like spending Christmas with you, our first Christmas away. And I agree. You know, I was still in that sort of honeymoon phase of first time being away from home. But I think it would have been different if I wasn't with my best friend at Christmas. I mean, I guess, you know, we kind of had family together. We're family. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I remember Christmas Day, we got stockings for each other and some, you know, cheap little presents. (laughs) And we, you know, we did that. You, You gave me, I remember in my stocking, you gave me little rubber duckies. And one is like a glow in the dark one. And the other one changes color when it's in hot water. And I still have them to this day. Like people think they're people would come over and think I had toys for my nieces in the tub. And I'm like, no, those are mine. And I definitely play with them when I'm in the bath. Yeah, that's a sentimental (laughs) gift. So you can never give those away. You gave me a drinking game. I think it was like a like a pub drinking game kit thing, which I still have. It's I can see it right now. It's sitting up on my shelf. So Let's bust yeah. it out when I'm there in March. Definitely. We definitely will. Um, so, yeah, that was our first Christmas experience away. Now, mm-hmm. after that, I had spent a couple more Christmas. <laughs> it's all downhill. <laughs> yeah, it's all done. That was the best Christmas ever. Um, but after that, I didn't. I spent two more Christmases in the UK. I didn't go home. And then, so I, like, I go home every year now. I think initially when I moved over here, like, the thought of, to me, like, a seven-hour flight from London to Toronto seemed like a really long flight and a really long way to go just for a few days. I think now, after, once you've traveled a lot and once you've done flights, like, really long-haul flights, like the stuff, the flights you do from Australia back <sighs> up to Canada that are, like, 20-plus hours. Every flight I have. Yeah, every flight now. Yeah, me flying home 
for Christmas, a seven-hour flight is nothing. And so now I do go home every year because, you know, with me and my family, we do have our own traditions. We get together every year. Like, it's just nice. And and for me, that's kind of like the only time I get to see my entire extended family. I have quite a big extended family. It's the only time I do get to go home to see them. So I do tend to go home every year now, but I didn't for a few years. And again, it takes a bit of adjustment. It's a bit weird at first, not like you said, Steph, not being at home and being in like a familiar place, doing your own sort of family tradition thing. But I guess like in Australia, I mean, let's talk about you being in Australia. This is going to be your third Christmas away. Yes. And I imagine it's bizarre. Like you said, (laughs) in 39 degree weather in the middle of Christmas. She hot. I don't know if I could get used to that. So the first year it was I moved to Australia in October 2017. So the first year was very exciting. So I had a family Christmas kind of immediately since I moved here for my partner. And so he has a big family. So I went to that and it was kind of really nice to have that family, you know, experience still, even though it wasn't mine. It was kind of like my new family. And it was a bit weird. I mean, it was more just like um, like an afternoon barbecue. <laughs> yeah, because I hear in Australia, that's what they do on Chris- at Christmas. It's You do a Christmas barbecue? Like, is that the norm? Well, uh, well, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but that's what I know so far. Yeah, I mean, that's what I hear from all any of my Aussie friends. Every single one of them are like, yeah, we have a big barbecue for Christmas. Yeah. Like, that seems to so be the, good. the norm. And it was really overwhelming that year because I met the whole extended family for the first time on Christmas Day. Um, so it was a lot of like, this is this person, this is this person. I'm like, oh, okay. And even to this day, sometimes we'll go be, you know, I say, oh, who's going to be there today? Oh, you know, you know them. You met them that Christmas that first year. I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, yeah. Like, okay. oh, okay. Uncle Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was good. And then I think last year was actually the first year where I was kind of a bit like little Eeyore where I'm like, okay, I guess it's Christmas because it was so hot. We moved into our new place on December 21st. So everything had been focused on moving. There'd been no Christmas buildup, no Christmas decorations, no nothing. So it kind of just felt like nothing to be honest yeah last year I did one day and this was my Christmas thing I made a dinner and I made a Swiss chalet festive special dinner that Swiss was chalet mine. Swiss chalet is like the big sort of like chicken rotisserie like chain restaurant in Canada it's kind of like yeah. if anyone's listening from Australia or the UK like a Nando's yes but right? better way better but, but like a little bit classier <laughs> <laughs> I literally went out I got a roast chicken I got, I tried to make their fries. They're so delicious, but I couldn't imitate them. I did the Swiss Chalet stuffing. I had Swiss Chalet sauce from home here. So I made a proper Swiss Chalet festive special dinner, which I think Andrew was like, oh, sweet. We're having chicken tonight. Yeah. Like, Like, you don't get it. You don't understand. (laughs) I've never been a a big fan of the chalet sauce, can I just say? I know. Everyone's like, you're crazy. It's, I don't know. It's not my thing. I'm not into it, yeah. but I get it. I get it. It's a very Canadian sort of festive thing. And it's funny because I know expats over in the UK. I know like like their parents will send them like a gift package at Christmas. And one of the things they always send is a chalet mm. sauce pack because <laughs> it's that yeah. sort of Christmas I have like Canada. 10 Swiss chalet sauces and 10 Swiss chalet gravies in the cupboard here. And every time someone comes to visit, that's what I have them bring. <laughs> 
So yeah, I guess like that's a good example of, you know, even when you're away or like away from home from Christmas, if you're traveling or if you're living as an expat, it's just having those sort of familiar things that your family can send you. And I know like the few Christmases that I spent away from home at Christmas being in the UK, yeah, my parents would always send me like a little Christmas, a little Christmas package. And my mom would pack me a little stocking full of just like little presents. And I mean, God knows how much it costs them to actually send it over. And I remember one year, actually, my mom, you had to, to put on the, uh, the postage, like how much everything inside was worth. And usually my dad sends it and he knows to write on there like it's a gift, like they're all gifts. So I won't have to pay tax on it. Well, my mom didn't do that the one year. So she sent over a, this box of basically just, I mean, it wasn't really worth that much, but my mom put like $50 or something on it. And I ended up having to pay like, I don't know, 10 pounds worth of tax on it. Or duty. It's duty, really. Yeah. Like paying the duty on it. And it was just, it was funny because it probably wasn't even worth that much. And so I told my mom, I'm like, uh, next time, by the way, just write that it's a gift. And my dad found out. He's like, oh, Annette, next time you let me send it. So <laughs> I ended up like buying my own Christmas presents anyways. But, you know, it was the thought. It's nice to get that sort of, uh, you know, a little, a little package in the mail. But are there, so, okay, so let's, let's moving on from <laughs> Australia. Okay, are there any, any places you've been where you've been traveling during Christmas? So we talked a bit about be, like being expats. But have you ever yes. been on, on the road and you end up in, uh, I don't know, like a country or a city? So I love spending Christmas abroad when I'm traveling. Um, it's just exciting. Like when you're living somewhere else, you can really let the day-to-day bring you down. But traveling for Christmas is the best. Mm. And I think the first time I did it was back in 2013. I actually went to Rome for the week over Christmas. Okay. And I actually went to the Pope's Mass for Christmas Eve and then spent Christmas Day in Rome. And I got to say, I'm not a religious person myself, but being at the Vatican for Christmas is a very, I just remember getting there and it's like this, I don't know know what the right word is, like aura or power or something. Like it's very spiritual and you can feel it in your bones that it's just a very magical time. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. And this was in Vatican City, not Rome, which I'm going to call myself out from a previous episode where I called Vatican City Rome. My bad. But but yeah, I mean, I would find that like my family, we always went to Midnight Mass. I also was raised Roman Catholic um, Mm -hmm. and it was always really important to my mom that we went to church on Christmas Eve. And I mean, we don't do it anymore. But something like going to the Vatican during Christmas, i that's something I would love to experience because I feel like it would just sort of, you talk about traditions and even being in another country and somewhere like Italy, being able mm-hmm. to experience something that you're used to in your traditions, but on such like a grander scale. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where you can understand really too how people, you know, if you're constantly in that environment. I mean, I think I'd be a believer if I was feeling that every day. Like, yeah. It was very powerful. And Vatican City on Christmas Eve, there are nuns and people of all different walks of life and different countries. And you could tell, presumably based on the way they were dressed. So you had nuns who had come, made a pilgrimage to Rome to be in Vatican City for Christmas. So all the nuns in St. Peter's Square were dressed so differently based on right. where they were from. 
and you had people who were on their knees, men. I, I, I couldn't even tell you what denomination or where they were from or, but mm. they were clearly doing a, some sort of penance right. where they were on their knees and their heads down to the ground, the entire mass. It was just incredible. It was very surreal experience and I'm very glad I had it. And I would say for anyone who'd be actually be interested in doing that, you do have to apply ahead of time to go to the Pope's mass. So I would actually, obviously Christmas is just in a couple days, but if you're thinking about that, maybe for 2020, check it out soon to see when you can apply because obviously a lot of people want to go and I don't know. I think they kind of do it lottery style. You got to apply. Apply ahead of time. I can imagine that's something that's, it's a sought after thing to do, especially in Christmas Mm -hmm. day. Yeah. So that was kind of, My first Christmas abroad. What about you? So I think besides being in the UK, I remember I did one Christmas a few years ago. I was actually in Thailand. Now, Thailand, they don't really celebrate. Well, they don't celebrate Christmas. It's not really a holiday in Thailand. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I remember being in Bangkok and obviously they cater to the tourists. Yeah. So as you went around Bangkok, they still had... Um, like Christmas trees up. And I remember going down to like the bar area and, uh, and some of the spots where people like go out and drink. So everyone knows you, you go and you've got the, the go-go dancers in a lot of the bars, not to be confused with ping pong show. That's not what I'm talking about. It's just the go-go dancer girls. And so I remember walking by some of these, we actually went into a couple of them and like they're dancing on stage and they were all dressed in little like Santa costumes. Which I thought was hilarious because I'm like, they don't celebrate Christmas here. But, you know, again, they're catering to the uh, the local tourists. So, yeah, I remember yeah, my first Christmas spent in Thailand. It was hilarious because it was the same thing. It was like 35 degrees or something. I remember sitting in a bar, drinking really cheap beer, smoking cigarettes, and dancing with a bunch of go-go girls, go-go dancers, dressed as <laughs> skimpy Santa Clauses. And it was... Honestly, one of my favorite Christmases ever. (laughs) But, you know, we made the most of it. Yeah. Well, speaking of Christmas in Asian countries, so I wasn't in China for Christmas, but when I was there, I met a lot of people who were living in China for six months or a year and working. A lot of expat, other expats. And they were telling me that Christmas was the funniest thing in China because same thing. They said they don't really celebrate Christmas there obviously there's Chinese New Year it's different from our New Year's but they do still celebrate it in the sense that they're catering to the tourists who are there and celebrating it but they said they don't really get it so they were there for Christmas you know did a Christmas thing with all the other expats and then they went out for New Year's and the bars will have a countdown and everything for all the tourists so they said they counted down and it was you know 10 9 8 and then when they hit one Everyone in the bar yelled, Merry Christmas, <laughs> because they don't really get the difference yeah, between the di- Christmas and New Christmas Year's. And and what- New Year's. So they probably <laughs> and think them, that's not New Year's. <laughs> yeah. And they probably so they probably think it's just like one big holiday that lasts like a week, Christmas and yeah. New Year's. That's so funny. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up. So what I wanted to talk about in this episode. So we talked a bit about our own experiences, but I mm. wanted to look up because I feel like you know, we talked about traditions. So like in a Canadian tradition, like Steph, what are what are some of your family traditions in, back at home for Christmas? I mean, okay. our back at home for me, like we cook a turkey, we get together, we play like silly present games, like pass the present. Uh, we, we put up a Christmas tree, pretty standard yeah. stuff. 
I mean, for ours, we do. We order festive specials on Christmas Eve. And then Christmas Day, my mom would do a big turkey. All the stress that comes with <laughs> oh my God. dinner. Yeah. Um, and then now it's really just about the kids, my nieces and nephew. Right. So watching them open presents and kind of their joy. Yeah. With Christmas? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we talked about those traditions. I wanted to talk about some other, what we would consider unusual Christmas traditions in different countries. Uh-huh. Uh, and you brought up China. And one of the things, so I was talking uh, to a friend of mine I work with, and his family is from, they're, they're Chinese. And he was saying that in China, so... Like you said, they don't they don't really celebrate Christmas, but they cater to the Christmas sort of tradition. Mm-hmm. And so anytime Santa Claus is depicted in China, he's always holding a saxophone. Like if you look this up, like Chinese Santa Claus is always holding a saxophone and nobody really knows why. Some people suspect that it has to do with Bill Clinton back in the 90s, where there's some like direct link with Santa Claus and Bill Clinton. So it's hilarious. I looked, I did some research and I looked this up and it's true. Santa in China, he's holding a saxophone and he's always playing a saxophone. And I mean, obviously that's not, I mean, why is, why is he holding a saxophone? But there's some direct I... link apparently with Bill Clinton because obviously he plays the saxophone and, but no one can really figure this out. They're like, why? It's bizarre. Um, I just looked it up as you were saying that. And all I got are Chinese men dressed as I Google image Chinese Santa and I just got Chinese men dressed as Santa. Oh, gotta, are they holding I gotta a saxophone? I got to do some... I, there's something, well, like the images of Santa as a character are holding this. I got to, I probably typed in the wrong search term. Well, and then they also call, so how they say Santa Claus. So, okay. I was trying to say this in Cantonese and Mandarin. So again, my friend was trying to teach me this and I'm going to butcher it. So I got him to send me a WhatsApp recording of how you say Santa Claus in Cantonese and in Mandarin. So I'm going to play it. So that was in Mandarin. And then we have Cantonese. So, okay, so that's how you say it in Cantonese and Mandarin. And it quite literally translates to old Christmas man, <laughs> which I it's absolutely perfect. love. So I love. I mean, that... it's not wrong. <laughs> no, it's not wrong at all. So I, I absolutely love that in Chinese culture, old Christmas man plays a saxophone. That is... <laughs> The, the my favorite thing that I learned about this. But looking at some other unusual, what I well, I mean they're not unusual, but unusual to us. What what's a better well, word than unusual? Uh, well, no, that's it's just different to us. One that I came across was actually, and I didn't know this was even a thing until so on that same trip when I was in Rome for Christmas, I continued on. And then I was in Spain a couple weeks later, and I was just planning on having a quiet night in. I'd been moving around tons. I just wanted to relax. And a girl in the hostel said to me, she's like, oh, are you coming out for the festival tonight? And I was like, what festival is that? And she's like, oh, it's the Three Kings Festival. There's a huge parade. There's tons going on. I had no idea what it was. And this is for, I mean, pardon my ignorance, but for many Christians in Spain and Latin America... The holiday season actually ends on January 6th, which is Mm. the 12th day of Christmas. Right. So it's known as Three Kings Day, and it's a huge celebration. Um, It's essentially, you know, in the Bible, when the three kings or the three wise men visited baby Jesus, that's that day. So they have huge festivals, and there were floats, and there were people dressed up in... It was a big thing and it was incredible and i had no idea so is it like a big santa claus parade except it's three kings day yeah kind of the same concept i mean and the floats that i saw i was in barcelona some of them were very related to three kings and some not so much 
Okay. Which is, I guess is what we do at the Santa Claus parades as well. Speaking of Barcelona, so this is this is one of the uh, Christmas traditions that came up that I looked up in Catalonia. So Barcelona would fall into this. Mm-hmm. So they have this thing. I'm not going to say it in Spanish because, again, I'm going to totally butcher it. In translation, it's called the pooping log. Now, it's what? so funny because I was talking about this at work today. And then I was on my Instagram feed uh, later in the evening and someone I know that's from Barcelona had posted on their story something about the pooping log. And I was like, right, I have to talk about this. Because at first I was like, is this a real thing? But it is. So apparently it's this log that kids will dress up in like Christmas gear. So they'll give it like eyes and a little like Santa hat type of thing and like some legs. I've seen this. Yes. Now and they, you're, and yeah. They, yeah. And they stuff it full of like sweets and like candy. I don't know. And then... This is the best part. On Christmas Eve, they take sticks and they start beating the shit out of this log. And they start singing this song in Spanish. Now, I looked up the translation in English, what the, the lyrics are in English. And I'm going, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I don't know how the song goes, but I'm going to read it to you in English. So translated in English, this is what they say to the log while they're beating it with a stick. Shit log, shit nougats, hazelnuts, and matto cheese. If you don't shit well, I'll hit you with a stick. Shit log. That's what they're like singing while they're being, and then while they're like hitting the log, it's supposed to like extract all the sweets and everything that come that they put into it. And this is wow. That's a that's what they do on Christmas Eve. I want to start this pooping log tradition in Canada. I'm gonna mail you a pooping log. That's I mean that's great. If anyone is listening, that's from (laughs) the Catalonia area in Spain. And if this is a thing, which again, I read about it and then a friend of mine posted about it tonight. So I feel like it's got to be a thing. But please tell us more about this because this is my favorite Christmas tradition from another country that I've I've read today that I wasn't aware of. Well, so I was about to tell and now I feel like my story is very anticlimactic because that is hilarious. More so just because I have a number of Ukrainian friends. Yeah. Do you know where I'm going with this? Uh... No. So in the Ukraine and a number of other countries, they celebrate, they don't celebrate Christmas when we do because they, the main church is the Orthodox church and they use the okay. Julian calendar. So their Christmas Eve is actually January 6th mm-hmm. and then their Christmas day is January 7th. Right. So they, so I think my point everywhere is you can just have Christmas for three weeks straight. <laughs> Done. It's Everyone's office if you want should to do shut it. down and everyone should stop working for three weeks. I mean, to be honest, my office, we've already started doing that. Anyways, continue. <laughs> well, so they eat their main meal on Christmas Eve and then traditionally they don't eat anything all day which is why i would fail at doing this oh my god they can drink holy water in the morning can they drink wine Uh, holy wine the blood of jesus yes i don't know but i give ukrainian (laughs) people permission to drink holy wine on christmas eve okay (laughs) done it's a thing now and moving forward we've we made it a thing okay (laughs) but yeah so i think and it's similar i think to why they celebrate the three kings festival obviously it's all about the journey of the wise men to find jesus and about Jesus being born, so Christmas can now start. I mean, they don't have a pooping log, but that's cool. Um, well, so my family, so uh, on my mom's side, were Dutch. So I come from a big, loud, obnoxious Dutch family. 
Not that all Dutch are obnoxious, <laughs> but mine is. Um, and so, okay, so I don't know, Steph, if you've heard of the Dutch tradition of Sinterklaas and Black I've Pink. heard of Sinterklaas, but I actually don't know anything about why. Okay, so Sinterklaas is essentially Santa Claus. And then he has his little companion named Black Pete. Now, the whole Black Pete thing, before anyone calls me out, I, I'm fully aware Black Pete is very controversial. So Black Pete, he appears to be in blackface. Now, Mm -hmm. there's different variations of why Black Pete is Black Pete. Now, some say it's blackface. Others say that Black Pete, why he's in blackface is because he comes down the chimney and he's just covered in soot. Yes, that's what I'd actually, oddly enough, I just heard about this the other day. Yeah, I mean, a, a whole discourse on this. If you see, they do a big, big parade in the Netherlands. It's like the Sinterklaas and Black Pete parade. And there's a lot of controversy around it. And now what you'll see in like 2019, any Black Pete's where the yes, they used to traditionally be in like full on blackface, which I agree, not cool. Not cool ancestors, not cool. Um, But now you'll just see they're sort of like wiped in kind of like dirt. So, all right. Like actual set. Just set, yeah. But uh, so anyway, so my family being Dutch, this is a tradition that we used to do in our family. And basically what Black Pete does, so he's like Santa Claus's companion. And if you've been a bad kid, so like, you know, there's the whole thing, like if you're bad, you'll get coal in your stocking. Well, mm-hmm. in the Dutch traditions, it goes a, a, like 10 steps forward from that. You get taken oh. away in a sack by Black Pete. He comes and he puts you in a sack and you get taken away because you were bad and you didn't, you, yeah, you were Jesus. naughty. And guess who got put in a sack every year? Liz. No, me. Me and Liz. <laughs> um, yeah, we got put in sack. But yeah, so that's, I mean. They actually a, put you in a sack? Yeah, they put you in a sack. I mean, it's quite no, scary. I understand that's kind of the tradition, but did you actually physically get put in a sack? Yes. What the I mean, hell? I think your parents think it's kind of funny. Like you go to these Dutch Christmas things and they're like, ha ha ha, look, you're in a sack. But when you're four and you're getting thrown in a sack, it's quite scary. But yeah. So it wasn't even your parents doing it. It was like some stranger at a Christmas celebration. Black Pete. It was a guy in blackface basically oh grabbing you and throwing okay. you in a sack. Just, that is so weird. Uh, but yeah, so that that's uh, that's our Dutch tradition. Let's uh, talk about the good stuff. We get chocolate letters. I mean, anyone knows in, a, in the Dutch. Steph, you've spent Christmas with my family yeah. before. You got a yes. you got a, a, a chocolate letter, didn't you? You would have gotten a chocolate S. Yeah, they gave me a chocolate S and a yes. copy of um, Fifty Shades of Grey. That's what I got when I gave your family because we played pra- <laughs> we played past the present. Um, so yeah. while a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey is not a traditional Dutch gift to give, um, a chocolate letter is. But in my family, we have so many people that have the uh, the name that starts with A. So there's like one little Dutch shop where we grew up that would sell these letters every year. Mm-hmm. And every year they would run out of A's. So like everyone in my family, we'd get like a random letter. Like I used to get a C or an M for my middle name. Like no one actually got an A because they would always run out of them. So, oh. you know, we tried Aww. to stick tra- to tradition, <laughs> but I'd be like, yay, Merry Christmas. I got a random C. But yeah, so... <laughs> That's our church. If, if, so if we go a little bit further outside of the Netherlands, though, Steph, have you heard of uh, Krampus? Krampus? Krampus. No. So this oh is... Oh, my gosh. You're so is, cultured. Well, it's it's this is not my culture, but this is a, a terrifying tradition 
in a few countries. So Austria being one of them, parts of Germany. So mainly the Bavarian parts of Germany, uh, the Czech Republic, Croatia, Hungary as well. So I was talking about Krampus today at work and there's a guy that sits behind me that's from Hungary and he turned around. He's like, ah, Krampus. Yeah. I mean, I remember as a kid, Krampus. And so Krampus, anyone listening, just Google Krampus. There was also a horror film, a horror Christmas film that came out a few years ago called Krampus. Now, Krampus basically has the same setup as Black Pete, except he's like a hundred times more terrifying. He's like this big, terrifying looking monster goblin with like big horns, pointy teeth. He has big claws. And he's- I've seen photos. Yes. And he's basically, he's Santa Claus's companion. So they're pals. And Santa Claus, he's basically the good guy. So if you've been good that year, you get your presents. If you've been bad, Krampus comes for you and he'll start terrifying you and haunting you. I don't know if he takes you away in a bag, but (laughs) he's so much scarier than, like, Black Pete's not scary. Black Pete's just like a little elf, you know, but he's just the one doing all the hard labor. Like, all right, I've been told I got to take you in a bag. Krampus... will literally haunt you in your dreams i love how people have this huge debate on whether elf on the shelf is like a good parenting strategy because you're trying to you know trick kids into behaving this this shit is so much scarier than an elf on the oh my god like we are progressing in terms of like not terrifying children yeah but krampus is still a big so in vienna there's a big Krampus parade that's held in December. Like, it's still a big thing. And I would actually love to go to this one year, Steph. I think we should do it. I've still have never mm-hmm. been to Vienna. And I feel like nope, if I'm going to go, I want to go to the Krampus parade. I looked this up. The photos look fucking amazing. It's like hundreds of people dressed as different variations of Krampus. Um, <laughs> and it's just this big festival. And, like, kids are there. And they're, like, crying. And, like, oh, my God, Krampus is everywhere. Uh, I think it's hilarious, but you know, I love it. I think it's so good. This is clearly like, well, I was going to say it's clear. It's very clear. Like we're not mothers and stuff, but I guess there'd be mothers everywhere there too. I mean, my parents were fine with me being thrown in a sack and taken away by a little (laughs) man named Pete. So I mean, maybe parenting has changed in the last 30 years. I don't know. I guarantee you 100% my mother's going to listen to this episode and go, see, we weren't that bad, were we? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They didn't throw you in a sack. Hey, if you had joined uh, Christmas in my family back in the 80s and 90s, Steph, you would have definitely been in a sack. Oh, I was that like saucy little kid that my parents would be like, if you don't behave, you're not getting anything for Christmas. And I was like, I know I will. Yeah, Santa's (laughs) coming. Well, well, Krampus will be after you. Um, so yeah, that's another great one. So yeah, again, very similar to like the Dutch tradition, except they just take it a little bit further by making the bad guy like terrifying. And again, watch the horror film Krampus. I mean, I saw it. I don't think it's that scary, but still just look up Krampus. K-R-A-M-P-U-S. He's a scary motherfucker. All right, moving on. My next, can I tell you, this is next to the pooping log. This is my, this is my favorite Christmas tradition that I found that happens in Japan. Okay. Do you want to oh. know what they do on Christmas in Japan? Work. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> But, okay, so again, Japan is not a country where Christmas is really celebrated. No. So it's probably like in China where they're like, hey, it's a thing in other countries. It's very commercialized. Let's celebrate it somehow. So the tradition in Japan on Christmas Day, everyone goes to KFC. What? And they eat chicken. (laughs) 
I swear to God. I again, I read this doing my research mm-hmm. and I saw this. I'm like, that can't be. And no, it's it's a thing. Okay. Now this yeah. came this came after they there was a, a KFC campaign that ran in the 70s where they mm. promoted it was like the KFC festive special and it was supposed to essentially be like the equivalent of like a turkey dinner, like a traditional turkey dinner that like we eat in North America. And so the way that they marketed this to the Japanese was like, hey, Christmas, this is what people do in North America, turkey dinner. And then it stuck. And so now it's still a wide tradition in Japan that on Christmas Day, everyone goes to KFC and they get this. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they get like a bucket of chicken or the, the festive special, but that's what they do. They eat KFC. I mean, I like that tradition. Steph, you and I cannot make a turkey. We should have just gotten KFC on hey Christmas. Now. I can make a turkey now. <laughs> you can now, but I'm saying back in 2010, we should have sure. just ordered a bucket of chicken and celebrated like the Japanese do. Ah, oh, damn, we missed out on a cultural experience. Right? <laughs> um, so that one made me laugh because, again, it's like they don't celebrate it there, but they're like, hey, this is what this is what people do for Christmas. They eat KFC. Can- I just got to say, I love the irony that, you know, you go to China, you go to Japan, you go to Thailand, all these different countries are doing things to kind of accommodate tourists and our celebration of Christmas. Right. And then I, for a number of years before I moved out to Australia, I would spend every Christmas Eve with friends in Niagara Falls, actually. It became kind of a tradition of ours. Well, the first year I thought Niagara Falls is going to be dead because there's going to be no one... I mean, yeah. no one there. Everyone's celebrating Christmas. But when you got there, you realize every single culture that don't celebrate Christmas went right. to Niagara Falls for the holidays. Yeah. Exactly. So it would be like tons of people from all around the world who don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah. So Niagara Falls was actually booming at Christmas because of that exact reason. They were like, what are these weird Western people doing? I guess no matter where you are, whoever is listening, if you are celebrating Christmas away from home, whether you're traveling, whether you're an expat, I feel Mm. like wherever you are, you'll be able to find either something that, so you can either suss out what the Christmas tradition is in the country that you're in, whether you're in Japan eating KFC or you're in (laughs) Austria and running away from Krampus, you're going to find something that either the locals are all doing or travelers or like expats as well. And the other thing I would say, you know, I feel like uh, especially in the UK, I know I do know a lot of other Canadian expats or not even from Canada, but like American expats and a lot of them, they don't go home either. And I do know like some people that they all get together for Christmas, kind of like we did our first year stuff where we invited, there was another Canadian girl yes. and an Aussie girl. And we all got together and we celebrated a Christmas together. And I guess the nice thing about when you are away, you get to experience different cultures and how they celebrate it. And, and that's a nice thing where you're so used to your own traditions. It's nice to see once you get outside of that, how other countries... Mm-hmm. And cultures, they celebrate with their own traditions. And you can take some of those traditions back with you when you eventually do go home for Christmas. So it's a nice thing. You know, you're branching out, experiencing new things. And it's a real thing. They call it an orphan's dinner, right? The Canadian girls here in Australia do a thing. Um, It's called an orphan's dinner. And it's basically people who've moved far away from home or moved abroad and don't know anyone. You're kind of an orphan, so to speak, around Christmas time. 
Um, so you have a whole dinner with people in the same scenario. Yeah. That's nice. It's a great sense of community bringing people together. Definitely. And well, and I do know we have a number from all the messages we get on social media. Quite a few of our listeners are expats themselves. So I just want to say to all of you, Merry Christmas. Christmas. If you're feeling you're missing out on Christmas because you're away from home, don't feel like that. Mm -hmm. Think of it as an experience. Think of it in a positive way. And remember, there's other people out there such as Steph, that are away from Christmas as well. And if you are home for Christmas and you know of someone that is traveling or an expat and you've got a spare seat at the table, invite them <gasps> in. That's what Christmas is all about, yes. right? Yes. And one thing I will say that really helps is when you get messages from home on the day of of people saying, hey, I hope you're having the best time. Really miss having you here, thinking about you. Like just something really thoughtful. Yeah. It just makes that day, like, it gives your heart the warm and fuzzies. Which you should have at Christmas, because that's what it's all about. Oh, I'm feeling warm and fuzzy. It's probably all the mulled wine I drank tonight. <laughs> yeah, well. I'm on the night shift tonight, so I, I, know. I I've got... I was like, it's 9 a.m. I definitely yeah. can't justify <laughs> I've got my little... I bought, like, a little Christmas tree this year. It's tiny, so i got the lights on. I've got two little Christmas trees, and I, I've, I've had a few mulled wines. Uh, you know, I felt very festive today, so we thought we would do a Christmas, Christmas episode. And this is actually our last episode of the year, guys. Yes. Last episode of the year. We're taking a break next week, regrouping. We've got... Big plans for 2020. I'm really, really, really excited. We're going to be bringing in some other voices and you'll be hearing from some other people as well. So it's going to be a big year, Andrea. And we just want to thank all of you that have been with us for 2019. It's been an absolutely amazing year for us and this podcast and for everyone listening. Honestly, Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And Merry Christmas. And have a great Christmas and a Happy New Year. And you will hear from us in the new decade, 2020. Talk to you next year. All the Shit I've Learned Abroad is a travel podcast focused on anything and everything related to travel. You can listen to us on multiple platforms from iTunes to Google Play Music and more. And with that, please, if you have a chance, give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That drives us up the charts and really, really helps us out. Want to support us on Patreon? Find us over at Shit I've Learned Abroad Pod. Donations start as low as just $1. Also, so if you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shit Abroad Pod and Facebook by searching all the shit I've learned abroad. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.